Welcome to Tactical Breakdown. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about incorporating fun and games into training, but with a purpose. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Tactical Breakdown podcast on the Islet Network. Your number one resource for law enforcement training. Here is your host, Adam Kanakin. All right, this is Tactical Breakdown. Welcome to the podcast. To our friends and subscribers, welcome back. Appreciate you being here episode after episode. This is awesome, and I'm completely humbled and honored to continue to be able to put content out there that you guys are finding useful. And uh, that is that is such an amazing thing, and I'm so happy that we're able to facilitate that. Uh, if you're a new listener and this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen, uh, not just to me ramble, but to some of the best instructors in the world. Um, as they share their knowledge and information with you. And before I even ask you to subscribe or follow the podcast, I would say go back, listen to this episode, but listen to some other episodes that we've put out there. And if you find that information knowledgeable and actionable um, and relevant to you, then consider subscribing and and following us. And that way you're going to get up-to-date information whenever new uh, podcasts come out or new training or new events come out and different things that we have happening and going on. So I'm honored if you were able to do that or if you're finding benefit to uh, the content we're putting out here. Today's episode is an excerpt from our time at Ailita, and this was uh, a fun conversation that I had with my friend Todd Fletcher uh, prior to going out to the range um, when we were in St. Louis. And um, Todd is a phenomenal firearms instructor. He has close to 30 years of law enforcement experience. Um, He is a Ailita uh, instructor and NLFIA ILFE member. Um, he regularly contributes to our friends over at Police One and um, just an all around knowledgeable and excellent instructor. And we talked about um, incorporating fun and games into training, which is something that he does, um, but he does it so deliberately um, and he follows core concepts of learning principles to make sure that we're doing it correctly so that the student stays engaged but it doesn't turn into a free-for-all in training. And he is one of the best to do it, and I'm excited that he was able to share this um, with us over the short conversation. But also he presented a full session at uh, Ailita, which was definitely worthwhile for everybody who was able to make it. So hopefully you guys will be able to glean some information from this training with Todd, and um, I'll just let him speak for himself. So let's jump right into the episode. Here we go. Hey everyone, Adam Kanakin here with ILED Network down at the ILEDA 2021 conference. Sitting with me today, my friend, Todd Fletcher. Todd, thanks for joining me, brother. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh man, I'm excited. We get to go down to the range tomorrow, um, which I haven't been able to do for a long time. We had this discussion. I'm kind of nervous to actually go (laughs) go down there and start putting holes in paper. Um, But you're teaching this week. I am. What is it that you're teaching and what are you sharing with instructors here at the conference? So the name of the class is It's All Fun and Games. And we came up with that title because one of the things that we normally do on the range is we shoot the same targets with the same types of courses of fire in the same way. And quite frankly, it gets boring. Our training gets stale and we lose some of that fun factor that keeps people engaged in your, in your training. So we put together this class, It's All Fun and Games, on some uh, some fun, sometimes off the wall, sometimes a bit wacky uh, drills and courses of fire that we can shoot with our people 
put them through, still get really good training value, uh, still get very credible training value that is very much specific for their jobs and, and will improve their skills and yet kind of ramp up the entertainment factor a little bit for them and of, of shooters of all skill levels from your your all-star shooters down to your intermediate shooters and down and, to and my level down to sh- your struggling <laughs> shooters. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. I guarantee it. You'll be fine. It's, it's interesting because you know I've had this discussion offline before about the, you know, when we gamify training, when we bring the games into training and how certain instructors, when they do that incorrectly, can lead to bad things. But when it's utilized correctly and they understand the, the science-based principles and the fundamentals behind the creation of those drills and exercises, that you can actually get a lot more out of your student. Yeah, it kind of goes back to the why. You know, uh, you, your students need to understand why you're doing something. What's the purpose of the drill? Why does it benefit them? And these, you know, using entertainment for entertainment purposes, that's not really the realm of law enforcement training. But using entertainment to further learning objectives, that's a win win for everybody. Because if you enjoy training, you're going to take it more seriously. You're going to, to look forward to it more, right? If you don't enjoy training and you're out there on the range with a firearms instructor who is is nothing more than a red shirt and a sharpie, uh, who maybe just when he whenever he speaks, all he does is yell at people. Nobody enjoys that operational environment. Nobody enjoys that training environment. Nobody wants to be there. So you end up going out to the range and, and everybody's looking at their watches, going, "Yeah, what time are we getting out of here?" Instead of, and what are we going to do today? Because I'm excited about this. I'm going to have some fun with it. Yeah, I remember, you know, setting up ranges when I was with the military. And it was so, you know, obviously we had a lot, like we had to maybe put a company through or a platoon through training. And you have one day and you're limited. And it's like, okay, we got it. We have certain objectives that we have to hit. We have to hit certain calls. And there was really no... There was no room almost to to put anything extra in because we were so time crunched that we're just trying to get guys through by the time it gets dark. We're not talking about those types of range days, right? We're not like, is there a way to, or maybe we are, is there a way when you're running those types of days um, and you're cycling through quals that you can implement these more, um, these different types of exercises for the students so that it keeps them engaged throughout the day. So let's clarify some terminology here. When a lot of a lot of officers, when they think of quals, that's just the general terminology that they use to go mm. do firearms training. But qualification is a test. It's right. a test of your skills. It's not training. Training is what you do in order to make qualification easy. Right. Right. The qualification should be the easiest thing that you do when you get on the range. And then you train to a, to a harder standard, much higher standard, so that uh, you're, you're constantly improving your skills. Qualification is simply a test of minimum standards. That's all it is, right? So if, if your objectives for a training day is, hey, we've got these administrative qualifications, we've got to get everybody through, um, and we don't have time for training, then that's, that's not really the, the time and place for those things. But if you start your day saying, okay, we're going to do this qual, it's a test of minimum standards, uh, then we're going to train, we're going to have fun, but we're going to train harder, our, our standards are going to be harder. I'll give you an example of, of harder standards. 
So in, in most qualification courses of fire, if you break the line on the target, it's counted in. It's It counts towards the highest score right. for the shooter, right? But when you train, line breaks on our range, they're out, right? And if anybody has to look at it and go, oh, I'm not sure, did it break the line, did it not? It's just out. It, I mean, who cares, right? We're going to train to a harder standard. We're going to train to to be better, to do better. And so we're going we're gonna to hold ourselves to a higher standard. But it can still be fun. So we go out, we qualify, we run through some other, you know, kind of standard traditional courses of fire out on the range. But then we say, hey, now we're going to do this, this drill um, where we're going to have uh, – a dartboard type target out there, and here's the game that we're playing. Right, you're still focusing. You can download magazines so that forces magazines. You can put them on the on the clock so there is a bit of time to rest. You can. They have to remember the rules of that dart game, and then they have to apply marksmanship to the parts of that that dartboard target that gets them the score that they need in order to do the best that they can on that particular drill. But that's not what we do traditionally in law enforcement. Right, but if you think about how you could use that simple dartboard target uh, for your drawn presentation, you can present from different ready positions, uh, precision marksmanship, where you're really have to, having to apply the fundamentals of, of marksmanship in order to hit those score zones that you want to hit. And the look, if you miss and you have hit that lower score, that's what you're going to take. If you break the line, you take that lower that lower number. Now your game plan changes um, as you're going along. Mm -hmm. So you can still do these these uh, these fun drills and get a lot of training value from them, keeping people engaged on the range and actually looking forward to going to the range and saying, what kind of fun stuff is you going to have us doing now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I'm always curious when we have these ideas of like, how can we make training fun what can we give? Um, can you give some ideas of a, like a, a bad example of things that you've seen instructors do where they say, "Well, this will be fun, so let's do this," and you're like, "Well, hang on a second, there, big guy. Like, yeah. you're you're actually doing a disservice to your students by making them go through those iterations." Yeah, anything that that you have them do that isn't uh, you know job specific, if it isn't going to be part of what they do, don't waste your time. If it's unsafe, for crying out loud, don't do it. There's, you, you hear these horror stories of, of firearms instructors, quite frankly, doing dumb shit out on the range and putting their students at risk and, and putting other instructors at risk, putting their programs at risk. That's not what we're talking about here. But what we're talking about is just changing things up so that it's fun, entertaining, um, it's safe, but there's actual training value involved in it. Yeah, not, not, not clowning. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, we've all seen those videos. I think there was one. I can't. Remember, I think I sent it to you as soon as I saw it. I think it was in in South America somewhere. An instructor's running an indoor range, and he's literally running back and forth, live fire in front of his students, starting and stopping. And it's it's kind of like a shoot don't shoot where they have to like hold if he's in front of them and then fire right after. You're sitting there. You're like. I, I sent it to you. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, I get a lot of those kinds of videos sent to me. It's like, what are they doing? And you've got you to gotta be careful who you choose to train with. That's the bottom line. If they start doing uh, some unsafe stuff on the range, pack up your stuff, get out. Uh, 
your safety is not worth whatever message they're trying to deliver. I sort of cut you off real quickly. I love that statement. And I think that not enough students or instructors really take that to heart. I've been involved in, in not in firearms programs, but in defensive tactics training programs where that's happened, where they're trying to get us to do a drill or something, which is fundamentally unsafe with kind of no, no real benefit to running it. And I say, I'm not doing that. They're like, well, then you're not passing the class. I'm like, cool, man. And I pack up and I go. And they're like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, why would I put myself at risk for no, like, no benefit? And, and I think that's a real conversation that we have to have as instructors, especially as an, if you're in a, like in a master instructor class, which now it should be very, very, very rare that you get to that like instructor trainer level and you're still doing things that would be deemed unsafe, especially on a range, but I'm sure it happens. Yeah, I, like I said, I get a lot of those videos and I know exactly the video that, that you're talking about sending me. Um, there's another video of a person scanning uh, 360 degrees with an instructor walking around them in circles and varying where they are with targets around the shooter and the shooter is engaging targets while the instructor is walking circles around him. Uh, and you know, they tried to justify what they were doing. And you know, the bottom line is, Training should be about skill acquisition, skill development, uh, the retention of old skills and the development of new skills. It shouldn't put the students at risk. It shouldn't put the instructors at risk. Uh, you don't want you don't want anybody to get hurt in training. You don't want anybody to to take that pain or injury uh, and that occurs in training and it detracts from training. That is not the purpose of training. And when you when you put yourself at risk, when you put students at risk, when you put instructors at risk, that's foolhardy. That's not good training. And you did exactly the right thing. You remove yourself from it. I think it's hard for a lot of people to do that. It absolutely is. Because right. you have the other people that don't have the maybe the strength of character to say this isn't right and this is wrong and I'm going to I'm going to leave they may not have the the wherewithal to, to speak up they may not have the experience to say wait time out we're not doing this um so you know it it takes a lot of moral courage to to be that person but you got to got to remember the really the person looking out for you in that training environment is you do you think this is a conversation that enough instructors are having with their students at the beginning of a training course? You know, I, I don't know because the, I think that at the beginning of a training course, most students don't, don't even know what's ahead of them. They know in generalities based on a, a, a course announcement or a class description, but they don't really know that, you know, if an instructor is going to be doing goofy stuff like that. Um, and then the instructor, if they don't, if they thought it was goofy or dangerous, why would they be doing it in the first place? Right? Yeah, what they I try to they try to rationalize it. What I think I more so would have meant would be like maybe it would make more sense at the end of a course saying, "Hey, you've attended our course. Now, as you go on and continue your journey learning, if you get in put into this situation, I just want to let you know that it's okay that you step out." Oh, I, I you see know what, what I mean? mean? Yeah, I think I don't know. I think that. Um, the experienced instructors probably should be having those conversations. Uh, I think that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, it just, because if we don't, who is, right? right. Yeah. There's, um, 
another thing I do want to bring up is how often you see people creating training programs based off of YouTube videos that they watch. They watch some guy who's doing high speed stuff that was brought over from either the SF world or something operationally. They see it and they're like, oh, that would be cool for us to do at our agency. And they don't understand the context. They don't understand the why behind it. They're just like, here's the drill. Because they saw the drill and then they try to implement it without any of the actual background knowledge that went into the building of that drill in the first place. Or the skill set of the, the of the operator. The time. Yeah, it seems like everybody wants to do their, um, you know, their, their SEAL Delta Ninja stuff uh, because it looks cool on camera. Uh, and, you know, honestly, some of those, some of those guys are really good shooters and really good uh, uh, instructors and run really good programs. The problem is it lacks context. You know, what, what led up to that? What training did they lead up to that? It's like, be like taking uh, an officer fresh out of the academy and throwing them in an entry team environment. You know, you're not going to do that uh, because it wouldn't be safe for anybody on the team. It wouldn't be safe for, for that, you know, that rookie academy officer. You're just not going to do that. Uh, so when it comes to differential training, you know, training to different skill levels and, and training to their needs, you know, it makes more sense to understand the context of what they need to improve. Because again, that, that SWAT operator, you know, that Delta SEAL ninja type guy, he's, he doesn't have the same needs as that fresh cabin recruit. And so you've got to be able to, to differentiate those things. And if you don't, you're, you're creating an unsafe environment altogether. It's one of the reasons why I like the concept of your course, which is, you know, bringing some of that fun and game into it. Utilize, because for a shooter, depending on what level you're at, there's something there for you. And, and then it's up to the instructor to say, okay, well, obviously you got the fundamentals down. I'm going to give you another little piece here. I'm going to give you another little piece here. Um, whereas if you're at the base level, it's more like, okay, well, let's keep working on those fundamentals. Um, that's also important for, I think, new instructors to learn is that you may have a course, but you're, t again, I, and I've said this like probably a dozen times now, people that are watching these are like, Jesus, you bring this up every time. But if you're, if you're teaching a course to 20 people, you're kind of teaching 20 different courses. Yeah, you may, have, you may have 10, 15, 20 people on the line, but it doesn't mean that you have to, they are all shooting the same drill. It might be, you know, for example, on, on qualification, test of minimum standards. But if you have, if, if you're truly interested in improving your, your shooters, then you have to differentiate training, right? Again, the academy, fresh out of the academy recruit has different needs then you're all-star shooter, right? So maybe you, with your all-star shooter, you start adding additional elements to the drill, downloading magazines to force additional mag changes. Uh, maybe you add a time duress element to it, whether it's a par time or trying to see what his last time on that drill was to see if he can improve on it, however you want to do these things. But you can add different elements to it. You can, you can make a... A, the same drill, more of a team drill, where your more intermediate to advanced officers are, uh, you're forcing more inter-officer communication during the drill. Whereas your your fresh academy person, you're not adding time duress, you're not adding uh, uh, additional mag changes because you want them to focus on a certain skill set. Uh, maybe it's a, sh a, plat a shooting platform type drill. And you really want them to focus on stabilizing that shooting platform as much as possible 
and working that trigger straight to the rear. And that's what you want them to focus on. And yet down here, they've got that to, to a certain skill level. And now we can add another element because we're differentiating uh, skill levels and providing differential uh, training because of individual needs using the same drill. Yeah. Here's, here's one question I have for you and, and a legitimate question. I've been on ranges where certain shooters are more skilled, more advanced, and maybe you're doing a, a two-round set or a mass at 10 yards, and the skilled shooters are doing it in two seconds, and you have guys that are doing it that sh cannot shoot that fast. There's no reason to do it, but because they're getting that auditory feedback of, oh, that's how fast they're shooting, they speed up what they're doing, and it's causing them more problems. How do you have that conversation with those lower skill or newer shooters and say, hey, listen, you're going to hear a lot of guys going faster than you. I want you to forget about it. Like, how do you have that conversation? Well, it, it starts with the instructor and the, the instructor modeling the behavior that, that they want to see from their students. In our instructor development classes, one of the things that we tell them is it's really important to model the correct behavior that you want to see from your students because they're watching. Right. So if you if you make ready in a certain way, that's the way that they're going to do it. If you unload and show clear in a certain way, that's how they're going to do it. So if you got a if you have a drill where the instructor should be doing a demonstration, the demonstration should be done at the at the speed uh, or pace that kind of that intermediate shooter is going to be expected to do it in. Right. It don't do it at your pace. Right. So if for example, your your uh, the drill that you gave is an example: ten yards, two rounds, center mass. And let's say that uh, you are are capable of getting you know those two hits on a three by five card at, at that distance in, in that time frame. Okay, that's great. But if you're if you're setting a par time, or even if you're not setting a par time, but your expectation is that your intermediate level shooters are going to do it in two and a half or three seconds. Then when you do the demo, slow it down to two and a half or three seconds. As an instructor, that is incredibly difficult to intentionally slow down what you're doing and still perform everything the way that you normally do it. But that's your role as the instructor. It's not about you. It's about, it's about your students. When your all-star shooters are, uh, step up and they're doing it in two seconds, you celebrate their success. When your intermediate level shooters are step up and they, they're doing it in that two and a half seconds, three seconds, they're getting their good solid center mass hits, you celebrate their success. Then you give them the opportunity to push their limits and see where it starts to fall apart, right? You want everybody to have that opportunity. To, and I'm, I'm looking for a new way to say this because I don't like the word fail, but we're looking for, for them to have a safe um, training environment to where they feel like they can push their limits and fail safely. What I mean by that is maybe they're not hitting those two rounds center mass. Maybe they're getting uh, shot separation, but they're really trying to, to uh, push their, their speed limits, so to speak. And once they violate their speed limit, it's like, all right, you found where your speed limit is. Dial it back just a notch and let's see what happens. Right? It's the same thing as, as athletic training. Right? If you're constantly doing the same workout, you're not pushing yourself to the next level, you'll stagnate and go backwards. 
so you're not going to improve your skill and it'll actually be is detrimental to your improvement. Well, it's the same thing on the range. You've got to press your speed limit. So when when they are given the opportunity to to fail safely and they and they're failing before the all stars, but it's okay because they're they're pushing themselves and, and looking to make improvement. That's a win. That is a win altogether because you've created a, a range training culture that allows them the opportunity. Yeah. No, I love that, and I cannot wait to be there in person with you tomorrow and, and see how you run your range. I know I was telling you, like, I'm just excited to see how you set things up and run it start to finish. Um, that's always fascinating to me to see how people run their ranges. And um, I appreciate the opportunity and I thank you for taking the time and joining me here today, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. It's going to be fun. It'll be a, a new opportunity for me to, uh, you know, having the cameras on the, on yeah. the range and, and being able to do that. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, man. I'm excited. Well, thank you again. And uh, we'll see you, see you there. All right. Sounds great. Join the Islet Network now. Go to islet.network. That's I L E T.network.